Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we discuss emotional abuse, the social services system, and the Netflix series, Made. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and today we are going to be talking about the Netflix show called Made. And Made is a show that is really depicting the realities of poverty and abuse. And it is a very popular show. It has been out for a while and recently found its way back into Netflix's top 10 shows. And that was due to clips being shared on TikTok. And before we get to the things about Made that you know stood out to me and then some things that I thought it was missing, uh, if you are someone that wants to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse.gmail.com or fill out our guest form and press the submit button and please do send it in the format that we ask for. So as I said before, we will be discussing the ins and outs of the Netflix show made today and we're going to be going through many different parts of the show. So there are spoilers here if you have not watched it yet and we're going to examine specific parts, the nuances, especially when it comes to feelings, some abuse tactics, generational trauma, and we'll also talk about the things that the show might be missing. And for many, the show didn't go far enough or represent their plight to the fullest extent because, as many of you know, many abusers don't leave you alone and can become pretty vicious with their words and actions. And this show has a happier ending, and most don't get that type of ending, especially when you have kids together. So, you know, the summary of the show, when I think of Made and and, and what it is about, to me, it really does a good job of showing the reality of poverty, abuse, and also feelings and, and emotions as well. Some of these nuances that are going on in the show, it's a really well-made show. It's well shot, this show as well, coming from like the film perspective. So the summary goes something like this. You know, one night, Alex leaves her partner Sean's house with their daughter Maddie. Alex can't take Sean's alcohol addiction and aggressive abusive behavior anymore. And, you know, a person's behavior and words can traumatize you even without hitting you. And, and Sean was like that. Sean is an alcoholic and he says he loves Alex, but he treats her poorly. He's verbally abusive, prone to rage and manipulative behavior. 
And on the flip side with Alex, she is someone who actually is very unaware that this emotional abuse is a form of domestic violence. So after leaving Sean, Alex struggles to find a job and find shelter for her daughter. Alex shares a complicated relationship with her parents who are separated. And in this show, her mom plays a bigger role in the show. And she's very much a mother to her mother in many ways, even though her mom tries to help here and and there. And then later on, we do find out that the dad was abusive to the mom. So they really aren't the best options to go to. Both of them are not. And then after many setbacks, Alex finally gets a job as a maid in a temporary place to live at a shelter for domestic violence survivors. And even though she gets a job as a maid at Value Maids uh, in the show, the company that she works at, she cleans houses, and the salary that she get gets barely covers rent and, and necessities at all. Things like right off the bat when I think of this show is that um, they're really showing uh, the journey of, of someone where they have to go through the, the plight of seeking services, the complexity of, of services, and the emotional toll it will take on survivors to navigate that system. The show also really documents the dynamics and harm of financial abuse because Alex the access Alex has to finances was barred by her partner. She has limited resources that exacerbate the trauma she is already experiencing. And we see this uh, documented as she goes along trying to pay for gas, groceries, and other things. And throughout the show, one of the things that is used is they're showing the bank balance that is slowly decreasing on screen. And as I said before, the job that she gets can barely cover uh, her rent and basic necessities when she becomes a maid at Value Maids. The show's just really trying to show this cycle of power and con- control. And it's not just power and control from uh, the relationship. It's like the system that's also kind of fighting a- against you. And the show's just showing kind of like the the abuse cycle going through uh, the relationship. You know, there's good times, there's bad times, she gets these promises. The promises aren't kept. Uh, there's a, you know, a lack of respect in, in, in a lot of spots. And then she's kind of fighting back and forth. And you know, eventually she finds herself uh, sleeping with her ex again. And things start to look normal again for like a brief second before kind of coming to the realization that this is not a good idea to get back together with this person. So you're seeing these abuse cycles uh, play out as well. That's one of the really interesting things that the show does, just to show how hard it is to detangle yourself from an abusive relationship. And we always hear that it takes seven times before someone can permanently leave an abuser. And, you know, you know, because of emotional manipulation, coercive control, kids, isolation, lack of resources, threats of violence, cultural beliefs. Uh, institutional responses all play a role in making it difficult to leave an abusive situation permanently. And I think that, you know, May does a a, a good job of showing how difficult it is to kind of detangle yourself from from someone. And it does in just a very kind of clear way, uh, one where you are emotionally involved. 
So when it comes to made, these are the things that really stood out to me, and I'm going to put them all into different categories to make it as clear as possible. And the first one on my list is court and custody. So for many victims of domestic violence, family court is their first experience of being in the legal system. And a lot of people can be blindsided by the language that is going on, the processes of of what's going on, navigating all of that. And very early on, the thing that really jumped out at me was, is when the lawyer for her ex says, your honor, uh, Miss Russell has failed to legal, legal, legal. She hears the lawyer of her ex just saying legal, legal, legal. We asked the court to legal, 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 because just the language is you know, so confusing. You have no idea what is being said or what is going on. And it's a whole world that you can get caught in and bad things can happen when you're kind of going into this completely blind. They can go bad when you're going in with, um, you know, all your ducks in a row. And, but when you don't have a lot of money, you're going into these situations when it comes to poverty and abuse and you don't have a lawyer representing you, you know, everything here is just like a foreign language that's going on. So in this scene with when it comes to court, Alex faces barriers in custody court, proving that she's the protective parent to her daughter because there's no police report to show a history of of abuse or any other evidence. Her abusive husband then gains full custody and Alex is understandably, understandably panicked. And this happens way too often that the abuser does get uh, the child. You know, not everyone has a police report or can prove that something has happened, that the court can say, yes, this has happened. And this happens way too often. So after this, Alex, who didn't have a lawyer, loses custody for a week and she just stares blankly at her ex who's carrying their daughter through the security gates and it's just like a tragedy that's kind of going on she's watching a car crash as it's happening and you really feel the loss uh during this scene you really feel what is 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 going on and just the sheer um shock so when she gets back to the shelter after this uh, court, she is just in a really distraught, um, sad state and is just lying on uh, the carpet and uh, motionless and sitting there uh, wondering uh, what has just happened. Her whole life has just been upended in every single way. So from when the court decision happened to the floor of the apartment, you see the helplessness that can occur when things are put in the hands of family court, when the court sees one person with a job, and in the case of a maid, uh, when the abuser has the job and the other person uh, does not have one. And the way the court is is looking at that one parent doesn't have secure housing where the other parent, the abuser, is staying in the home. And also in the show, like one part, one partner was taking the child to protect them and the court wasn't seeing it 
in that way. And there's this bias that is occurring here. And this is the reality of these situations and how the court looks at things and how broken the the family court system is. And the blank stare that Alex had was also one of it just being so surreal and just feeling so helpless. There's just a full loss of control here. And the abuser here has manipulated the court into seeing things their way. And the family court system is broken on how they deal with these things. And many of you who are listening to this have gone through all of this. And my heart goes out to all of you that have gone through this because it is a broken system in so many ways. And it's not fair. And there's all these biases that are working against you. So up next, we have emotional abuse and the cycle of abuse, and we're going to follow that up with financial abuse and the system. But when it comes to emotional abuse and the cycle of abuse, so when it comes to made, a big part of this show is that uh, abuse doesn't have to be physical violence, and many people uh, believe that domestic violence Uh, has to have physical violence. And I think that this show did a good job of showing that it doesn't have to have that for other people who have that belief based upon media and everything can, can fully understand that you don't have to be physical to be abusive. Alex in the show is never beaten by her boyfriend, but she is physically uh, and sexually intimidated. And there's just a lot of emotional abuse going on as well. When in episode one, Alex tells the social worker, um, Maddie's dad drinks and he blacks out and punches stuff. And she says, uh, punches you or Maddie. And the social worker asks, Alex responds, no, and goes on to say, I'm not abused. And from here, we get to see flashbacks of Alex's ex having violent outbursts, you know, controlling behavior. And we're seeing this and it is clearly abuse. So even though he's not hitting her, you're seeing these uh, rage fits and, and, and everything like that. And that is abuse. And there's also scenes where uh, Alex's ex points his finger in her face, breaking glass so close to her. Shards are in her daughter's hair. And he uses his problem with alcohol as as an excuse. And that's a really big thing right there. He's using this thing as, his, as an excuse and not taking responsibility for his abusive behavior. He is abusive while he is drinking. And that is a fact. And, and drinking doesn't uh, give you an excuse for that. So that it, there's really no apology. He's not taking responsibility for his actions right here. So another thing that happens when it comes to emotional abuse is when there's this flashback when Alex says that she is pregnant and you see him throw all, you see her ex throw all of her belongings onto the front lawn and escalations can happen in pregnancy when the pregnancy begins. We hear that a lot on the show where someone might be somewhat abusive going along it's hard to figure out what is abuse at a certain stage but once a pregnancy happens and you have a child it might then ramp up and we hear that a lot when it comes to escalations on the show and then when it comes to like the cycles of abuse 
you know, what the show, what May does really well is showing how Alex is remembering how he treated her at the beginning of the relationship. And this is really important to understand how abuse is normalized when you're going through a relationship for a long time and everything is good for a good period of time. You know, you see this person as being this great, wonderful person before they become this monster. And that's why a lot of uh, abuse victims feel like they've done something wrong to alter the abuser's behavior. And it's easy to really hang on to this old version of this person. And, you know, you're hoping for it to come back. You're wishing for it to come back. You're hoping that they'll change back into the person that they were. And this is part of the cycle of abuse that the show, I think, shows really well. And that then moves us into a bigger part of the abuse that's going on here. And that is the financial abuse. And because of the financial abuse, you you really start to see how inadequate the support systems in the system are, especially if you are uh, someone who does not have a lot of money, is living in poverty, is just poor. So when it comes to financial abuse, this is really what makes Alex's life so difficult in the aftermath, not just leaving, but also in the aftermath, because after fleeing, you know, she's sitting in the social services office with her child on her lap. And she says, I need a job to prove that I need daycare in order to get a job. What kind of fuckery is that? She asks the social worker who nods like she's heard it all before. So when Alex does find a possible employer, she asks if she can take her her daughter with her. And the social worker replies like in a very, very confused look, like to a job interview, she says. So it's just this kind of catch-22 catch-all, you know, in, in the system where you need one thing to get the other thing to get the other thing, but it's impossible to get that first thing in, in the first place because you have no help. You have no one who is helping you. The system says that they're going to help, but there's still these so many things in front of you that you're not getting help with at all. And you see that later when she goes to daycare and she's late on money and like the daycare doesn't, you know, the daycare is getting annoyed with her. And, you know, this is someone who's getting annoyed with someone who is going through a domestic violence situation and just trying to stay alive. There's just so many things that are getting in uh, a domestic violence survivor's way. So when you think about how the system isn't helping and you don't have a lot of money where, you know, one needs childcare to hold a job and, but childcare costs money and you need a job, uh, to have money, but you need money to secure childcare and like all of this stuff. And it's people wonder why someone might go back to an abuser and money is a big thing because if you don't have to worry about money, you can, you can come back home and the abuser might be, be saying that you can't survive on the outside world without me. You know, you need all of these things and you, you'll never make it wi- without me. Um, so you might as well come back. And that's a really big thing uh, when it comes to uh, domestic violence and financial abuse. And also when it comes to financial abusing in custody, you know, a, a court might grant custody to the more financially stable par- parent, uh, regardless of abuse claims at all. And if the abuser gets custody, they might try to use that as well as a way to lure back uh, their survivor. And we hear that all the time. 
you know, other forms of financial abuse that happen on, on the show is when her ex, you know, stole her only mode of transportation, which effectively isolates her and her child, cuts her off financially, uh, impossible to get away from the home, unable to get to work, things like that. That's a form of control. It's financial abuse. And the ex also treats his job as more important than her job. So he doesn't take any time off. You know, if there needs to be something done as far as taking care of a child, if she needs to work, it's all put on her in the show, in the show made. And, you know, that is also a form of financial abuse because the child is living with the mom. So he's able to kind of just do what he wants to do. And he's not worrying uh, about that. He's only worrying about him and his finances and not actually about his child or his partner. And that is also financial abuse or his ex-partner. And that is also financial abuse as well. So, you know, within the show... And how it's done, with when, how made is done, you can really get the, to see, you know, the trap that you're in, how domestic violence can be a trap. Leaving can feel like a trap. And even when you're out, it can feel like a trap that you're, you're kind of being given all these barriers to maybe find your way back into the abusive household and you're made to fill out form after form and in so many different occasions when it comes to job when it comes to um, social services when it comes to court stuff divorce there's just so many different things to start filling out when it comes to lawyers and those things as well you know so this is just a really big uh, part of the show that I think does it does really really well to show the inadequacy of of the support systems and how difficult it is to navigate, especially with financial abuse uh, going on. And um, I just really think that Maid does it very well. So another thing that stood out to me when it came to the show Maid is when they bring up shame or other emotions that a survivor might be feeling. I already mentioned earlier when Alex is on the floor after leaving court and just, you know, the distraught that she is feeling lying there, uh, you know, the shock of seeing her child being taken away from her, the way it's shot during those scenes is done very well to actually get you to feel what she is feeling. And, there's other instances when it comes to shame and how Alex experiences shame when receiving a form of government assistance called SNAP. And she starts, you know, feeling the judgment she will receive while using it. And while this is happening, while she's trying to access this, these services, uh, she imagines the social worker calling her a piece of shit for trying to access this welfare and, you know, you get to see how the shame is functioning uh, inside her, demonizing her for seeking financial help while she's just, you know, trying to do her best for herself and, and her daughter. She has this legal thing kind of coming up. Um, it, it's really um, well done uh, right here when it comes to uh, showing shame, showing how she's feeling, how she's looking and, and the thoughts that are, are really going through her head. 
And another big thing when it comes to emotions is I think a scene that everyone talks about and it's constantly shared is when Alex sinks into the couch on the show. And this is when she realizes she's found herself back in a controlling situation with her ex. And she's just sinking further and further into the couch. And she just realized that she's lost herself. There's like a depression kind of setting in here. It's just a really great visual representation of depression when it comes to being in an abusive relationship and what it looks like. And it's just done really well. It's just she sinks further, further into the couch as she's staring blankly in reality at like what's going on, finding herself back where she never wanted to be again. The loss and despair. There's just this giant hole. There's this isolation. And she's really just watching it play out in front of her. And it, you know, it just feeling like this outer body experience that she's having and you start feeling it too. And another thing that stood out to me in the show made is the relationship Alex has with her mom. And she is someone who is very much a caretaker to her own mom. And her mom will help her on occasion, but her mom and her have a very uh, difficult uh, relationship and, you know, when Alex tries to explain the isolation and financial abuse that she has suffered, her mom just dismisses it. And she just says, I can name 400 things men have done to me that are worse than balancing a checkbook. And, you know, she even with her mom right here, she's not getting the support that she needs. Uh, her situation here is being minimized by her mom and her mom really just doesn't uh, want to address it. Her mom's in her own trauma, really, that is going on and kind of putting it on Alex here. And it's an interesting relationship. Her mom does help here or there, but she's very much the caretaker to her mom. And you see that Alex is really caretaking everyone throughout her whole entire life uh, in, in this situation when, when the mom comes into play and that she really never has been able to take care of her own needs. Uh, because her her needs were never met, and you see it right here uh, through the relationship with her and her mom. And it's something that we hear a lot on our show, that we have uh, parents that aren't uh, the best or, or, or supportive when it comes to uh, being in an abusive situation and having things minimized, which makes things uh, even worse in having someone feel more alone um, than they already are. And another thing that stood out to me was the character of Danielle in the show, who becomes her very good friend at the shelter, who becomes Alex's very good friend at the shelter when she gets there. And Danielle is showing her the ropes and the ins and outs and, and is very helpful when she gets to the shelter. And obviously, Danielle comes from an abusive relationship as well. And she really represents the difficulty of leaving because she tells, you know, really horrific kind of stories of what she was dealing with. And then eventually, one day, Danielle is gone. She's left the shelter and she then shows back up and they had run into each other on the street. And Danielle had gotten back with her abuser. And just it shows how difficult it is to stay or, or, or to stay away from an abusive relationship that it does take on average seven times to come and go and, and, and leave and, and getting back together again. 
And, you know, Danielle is uh, a good representation of that because she'd been through so much. She knows everything. She's knowledgeable and aware, but, you know, there's so many different reasons why someone could get back into an abusive relationship. And Danielle is a good representation of that. And then the last big thing that stood out to me was a character named Nate, and he is the nice guy friend character, but Nate is secretly controlling, and I think that was done really well. I think he's a controversial character because some people were like, oh, I wish that Alex ended up with Nate, but Nate was secretly uh, controlling. And when Alex and her daughter leave the shelter, they are taken in by this acquaintance who has always had a crush on her. And Nate is a stable and charming, good dad. Uh, he's the ideal guy, quote unquote, ideal guy. He offers his car and his house to them. So he's keeping both of them closer to him. And then eventually he does reveal his real uh, intentions. Nate was always sitting there secretly hoping that all of his support would be paid back. And then he told her to leave, even though he knew uh, she had nowhere to go. And all this happened after Nate found out that she slept with her ex again. And that's when you really realize that Nate really didn't care about helping her at all. You know, he was being this nice guy and he was doing it to get what he wanted. So he was kind of controlling the situation, being this really, really nice and good, good guy character. And when that bad thing happened and she slept with her ex, he only saw things from his perspective. And, you know, that's when this, you know, um, ideal guy cracked and you got to see who he was for who he really was. So now that we've gone through the things that stood out to me, uh, here are a list of things that, you know, there could be issues that people have with the show. And the first one is that there is a happy ending. And not every one of these stories has such a happy ending where, you know, the ex says to them, you know, you, I'm taking away, the custody thing is over, you can take the child, go to this school, wherever you're going, and, and live there, and I'll do my visit here or there, uh, you know, and, and it seemed like he's going to be a really nice guy about it, and, you know, things are ending off in a good place, and that is not always the reality of the situation at all. And, you know, when it comes to Alex's ex in the show, Sean, you know, the abuser in the show, he can be seem tame. He can seem tame to some abusers during the abuse and post-abuse. You know, uh, we don't see the moving goalposts or, or the blaming and the smearing and the put-downs. And you don't see the extent of some of the gaslighting, not just the... I never said that or that you're, remem you're remembering things wrong, but the moving of keys or lost items to make you think that you're going crazy. We don't see silent treatments. We don't see circular conversations or word salads. Uh, you don't see the wearing down of the sense of self. We do see the self-doubt and the shame, but not how an abuser can really wear down your competency in the long term, sowing the seeds of doubt in you with like the moving goalposts. 
the nothing is ever good enough, you know, blame shifting, victim playing, you know, big time victim playing, you know, so many times we hear on the show that people are victim players and how they go about that victim playing. So these are a lot of different things that are not being shown that can go into uh, abuse that aren't being uh, shown here in made and and i think that a big issue here is that when they do show when he does have these abusive moments besides the financial abuse cuz that's one separate thing but when it comes to like these rage moments and it comes to like the real physical intimidation and, and the really lashing lashing out that people might recognize as being emotional abuse or being on that level of physical abuse they're doing it in many cases showing him as an alcoholic and as a character maybe that could be redeemed in some way and you know studies have found that between 25% and 50% of people who commit domestic violence have a substance use problem and you know, let's just look at it from the other way around so 50 to 75% don't have these things. So I just thought it was a little bit of a mistake to portray this person, to portray the abuser in the situation as an alcoholic because you know, at least 50% to you know to 75% are not alcoholics and I just think that they're yes they're showing that in one way being an alcoholic and abusing is um, not okay and you are still an abuser, I still think it should have been shown in a way where most of these people are not uh, addicts at all. And in a way, I think that would have been more effective, but it's television and they're looking for, you know, if he doesn't be, if he stops being an alcoholic, maybe this person, you know, might not be an abuser. So there's a redemption kind of thing that would be going on. If you did him as like a straight abuser without the alcoholism, it would be harder to have that story arc going on. But, you know, I think in many ways they could have um, shown a lot more as far as like daily stuff or pot shots and things like that because a lot of people are dealing with more of these extreme situations especially when you hear our show we know that and something that I didn't notice and is the last one I will put on the list of uh, issues people might have had with the show and I didn't notice this because I am not uh, a parent at all but someone has pointed out in an article um, that one thing about the show that people have trouble with is that Alex's child is seemingly a perfect child and Alex has like crazy patience, magical abilities, you know, never loses her temper or reacts with frustration, etc. when it comes to her toddler, but her toddler as well is, you know, the nicest most pleasant child in in the world. You're not seeing any sort of tantrums going on. You know, she's easily able to transfer her child from a sleeping car into uh, for, uh, sleeping in a car to a crib. Um, can easily pull her you know, child away from cartoons or on her tablet without any whimper or any protest going on. So a lot of people found that to be really unrealistic and and could have been added. 
uh, to the show uh, to show an even bigger level of difficulty because how many childs are really uh, that perfect and able to be moved in so many ways like that without putting up a fuss in any way. And Alex's child in this show doesn't put up a, a fuss uh, at, at all. It seemingly just goes along with everything with a smile or, you know, is just sleeping. So that is one of the biggest um, uh, things that people had an issue with uh, when it came to the show. It's something that I didn't notice at all until I started to read a little bit more about people's complaints when it came to the show. So those are the uh, biggest issues I think most people had with the show as far as its depictions and what the people felt that they got wrong. Obviously, the show was about a white woman and, you know, it really fails to acknowledge that women of color are far more likely than a white woman to uh, be abused as well. And and these are all of, uh, you know, the main issues that people might have had uh, when it came to the show. But overall, I think that Made was done... Uh, it was a very well-made show. It, it's a, a, a an important show, and it really gives people, you know, a gateway who have never experienced this uh, type of abuse before, uh, a, a little glimpse in, and into it, and the complexity of everything, the system, and going back, and that abuse isn't just. Uh, physical, it is emotional as well, and you know how difficult things can be when you don't have uh, money at all. I think May did a, a very good job of of showing that, and as well as showing the emotions and, and feelings of someone who is going through everything. And um, that is it for you know bringing up this discussion on the show made and kind of showcasing everything and talking about abuse and emotional abuse and what everything is and. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode, and if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. At the top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There you can read all of our instructions, and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button, and please do send it in the format that we ask for. Also, at our website, we have our very own safe social network, our own support group. So if you want to join our support group, go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says support group. When you click on that button, it takes you to our support group page. And there you will see that we have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night, Thursday afternoons, and Saturday nights. We also have forum boards for you to post on to get the validation that you need from survivors just like you. And it is a wonderful group of people on there and you can share your experiences and make friends as well. So if you need support, join our support group today. And if you need even more support, please do visit our friends at domesticshelters.org. At domesticshelters.org, they have articles and resources to help you make sense of what you're dealing with. They have every phone number, email address, and web address for shelters and agencies. No matter how big or small the town you are in, domesticshelters.org has it there. It is a wonderful free resource and a wonderful organization. So if you need extra support, please do go to domesticshelters.org. And we here at Narcissist Apocalypse have a new friend to the show, and they are an organization called Shelter Movers, and they can be reached at sheltermovers.com. And Shelter Movers helps survivors of domestic violence transition to a better and safer life, and it is a volunteer organization, a donor-supported organization, charitable organization as well. And what they do is they help coordinate moves for people who are getting out of domestic violence. It's an interesting part of the domestic violence escape process. And they help you get to safety and they also help get your things out of your home and into storage, all of your belongings into storage. 
and they can do this for your pets as well, your livestock too. It's a wonderful organization. It is in Canada, and they're hoping to move into the United States. So if you need help from them or just want to donate to them, please go to sheltermovers.com. And that is it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and learned from it, and I hope you have a good night.